Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is September the 4th, 2019. This is episode 2502 of the Survival Podcast. And after some interruptions for special shows and holidays... We are back at our regularly scheduled programming as we move into a Wednesday hump day for a lot of people as they head toward the end of the week, past the middle. And we have a great hump day show for you today because we have one of my favorite people coming on board with us in just a moment here. I am talking about Nicole Awesome Sauce. Yes, Nicole Sauce from the Expert Council. We're going to do a great show today on making community count. We'll talk a little bit about business as well and networking, uh, life skills, getting stuff done in general, and the joy of being a leader and a teacher in a servant capacity. It's going to be a great show. I can tell you that because, one, it's Nicole freaking Awesome Sauce. Of course it's going to be good. Number two... I'm cheating today because I got behind a little bit. I already did the interview before I did the intro, so I already know what it's going to be about, and I already know it's going to be freaking awesome. So we'll have Nicole on in just a moment. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Western Botanicals. I have used herbs my entire adult life and for quite a bit of my childhood as well. I, I, my grandfather, on my dad's side specifically, was big on, you know, if you could grow, if it grew in your backyard, it probably had a use. And if you understand the use, you could generally avoid the doctor a lot. Not always, but a lot. I remember the first thing I ever learned about herbs was from my grandfather. He had a really nasty wound on one of his fingers. He picked up some plantain uh, and some chickweed uh, off of the ground. And he made kind of a, an on-the-fly poultice with that, just kind of macerated it, took one more leaf of plantain, put the macerated of the other two on the wound, wrapped the, uh, the plantain leaf around it, and then held that down by wrapping a Band-Aid around it. And in two days, he took that Band-Aid off and showed it to me, and that wound wasn't just better, it was healed. It was like pink skin. And I remember thinking, my granddaddy is a sorcerer, man. He can heal things. And... Over the years, I learned a lot more about herbs and learned it wasn't sorcery. It was just basically biology and chemistry. So when I started TSP, I really wanted a place I could recommend you all to go get herbs and herbal supplements and herbal treatments and things to make your own herbal preparations like menthol crystals and beeswax and all that stuff. And the information necessary to do it and real people that really care about you that would actually answer the phone here in the United States versus some call center in New Delhi. Well, I was blessed because Western Botanicals came into my life. They became a sponsor of the show. About eight and a half years ago, they haven't left us, they haven't blinked, they're still here. If it's at Western Botanicals, you know it's either wildcrafted or it's organically grown and is the top quality stuff. Check them out today, and they do a discount for members of the MSB. Check your back office of your MSB membership to learn more about that. Next up today, BulkAmmo.com. Um, everybody's pissed off right now at Walmart because Walmart came out and said something really... I don't know if they said something stupid. They did something stupid, but they either said something stupid or somebody in the Associated Press said something stupid, and now, like, happens. Everybody's repeating it without knowing what it means. They will no longer sell ammo for handguns. Okay, that's debatable, but at least, you know, there is some standard handgun rounds. Or ammo for short-barrel rifles. Anybody that knows what a short-barreled rifle is knows that is the stupidest thing you could ever say. 
I don't know what that means. I guess that means they're not going to sell two, two, three rounds, and they think that's what they're talking. I don't know. But Walmart said we're not going to sell certain kinds of ammo. They don't sell certain kinds of guns anymore, and I think company-wide they're going to no guns being sold at Walmart anymore. I think that's stupid, and it's another reason to avoid Walmart like you need another reason. But when it comes to ammo, get your ammo from Bulk Ammo. First of all, they support this show and have for like seven years. Second of all, they got great pricing. Third of all, the shipping's so fast. By the time you get off your butt, go to the store, make time to do it this next weekend or whatever to supply yourself up with ammo, it could already be at your house. And then they give you a discount if you're an MSB member. Loyal sponsor, great selection, great pricing, lightning fast shipping. Why the hell would you go to Walmart and bitch because you can only get certain ammo? And by the way, is 22 handgun or a rifle? Just saying, Walmart. Walmart's stupid. Don't go to Walmart. Go to bulkammo.com and get your discount from the benefits section of the MSB if you are a member. If you're not, consider becoming one. We'll talk about that later on. Anyway, let's go ahead and get on into this today. Again, I've got Nicole coming on, and Nicole wanted to come on and talk to us about making community count, not just building groups, not just building community, but building community in a way where it truly is mutually supportive where you have givers, not takers, and doers, not losers in your community. Build a community that has servant-driven leadership, and leadership that is for a time. In other words, this person knows this thing, so they lead for now. But when that thing is done and somebody else can do a better job, they just get out of the way and let that other person lead. There's no one's in charge. It's organic. It's anarchy. We don't really talk about that today, but as I think about it, it's anarchy. There's rules, but the rules are imposed by the community itself through its own actions. It's pretty cool. We'll talk about all that more today. And with that, hey, Nicole, welcome back to the Survival Podcast again. I am so glad to be back, Jack. Hey, you know, you are on the show all the time because you're part of the Expert Council. I think we've had you on for interviews three or four times now. Uh, so a lot of people are very familiar with you, but some people probably aren't. I mean, somebody could have found the Survival Podcast today in iTunes, and I'll listen to these idiots and see what they got going on. So tell them, who the heck is Nicole Sauce? Nicole Sauce is a friend of the show. <laughs> I started out. <laughs> I started out, I grew up in Oregon. And I witnessed Oregon transform through neoliberal policies and intolerance and land use planning zoning from a pretty free state to what it is today, which is, well, we'll just say difficult. I fled, came to Tennessee, <laughs> worked in libertarian public policy for 14 years, realized I was not going to change the world that way, and quit, started a podcast uh, launched a coffee business with your help and with the help of your listeners, and I help people build websites and do life coaching. Awesome, awesome. So one of the things we hear about a lot around here, um, especially through um, a lot of stuff going on with social media and things like that, uh, through Facebook, through the Zello group and all, is called the TNGSD Crew. What the heck is a GSD crew, and how did it come to be? It might be your fault, Jack. Uh, I mean, a lot I of things that are my fault. There are a lot of things. <laughs> I know. I, I'm still listening to 2500 right now. So <laughs> the TNGSD crew, Get Shit Done, it's a group of doers, not takers. And the entire community is doers. And when you get all, of peop all these people together who love to do stuff, they do stuff. And 
kind of like your Ohio crew. There's another group in Ohio that listens to you that do stuff. They'll choose a project at somebody's house. And everybody will show up on a weekend and they'll do it. We've put in four or five aquaponics systems. We did a solar build for Sean Mills from Hack My Solar. They've come here and helped me get ready for a couple of workshops. It's amazing what they do. But it it was a journey, right? They It started as, you know, I talked to Sean at your workshop. And we realized we lived kind of near each other. And then through the use of the Zello, the TSP Zello channel, we got to so that we were staying in touch and over time as we all became friends we developed into a, an expanding and growing and really powerful community that that is just moving everybody's ball forward and the best thing about it is because we all know and trust each other when somebody has a real problem we help in the background what do you think makes your crew different from a lot of other communities that have been put together because One thing I've noticed is everybody talks about it, and, and a lot of people, to be fair, they kind of sort of do it. You know, maybe they put something together, they have a meetup, at, at eat catfish once a week at a restaurant or something, but you yeah. guys actually do stuff, and it happens all the time. What What is the difference maker there? I really think it's because we didn't set ourselves up to be a, a get-shit-done crew. We started as friends, and we started by campfires. It, we had a pig roast over at Cider Hollow Farm. And just spending that time getting to know each other, it ended in a core group of people. And then we had a primary communication vessel that we could use, and we're unified by a shared philosophy. So I think anybody who listens to you is likely to have a similar philosophy of, well, okay, cut the crap. What do we need to do to to get things done, right? And that unified philosophy has helped. But biggest, Jack, would be there aren't any rules. We, we don't <laughs> have bureaucracy. We don't have rules. The only rule we really have is if somebody wants privacy for an event so it's not open to the whole world, we respect that. Sure. And... And as people invest in going to people's houses, it's kind of like you have a community building bank account balance that goes up. As you go help put an aquaponic system other places, there's almost a social pressure in the group. Well, now I, got, I better go to the other one and help the other person. But it, it's not really a tit for tat sort of thing. It's just if everybody puts in, the whole group moves up faster. And then we don't have any takers. So there's no drama. That's awesome. I, I, I think that one of the most important things I'm hearing there is that the group was built by doing what I always try to do, because all the time, and I'm sure as you built your podcast, you're getting it too. How do I build community? How do I build community? How do yeah. I put a group together? Lead with the relationship. Yeah. Don't lead with the agenda. Lead with the relationship. I, I've told people if you don't, if you don't, like you guys kind of, the core started kind of because of our podcast here at TSP and you guys got to meet each other in the real world and then it kind of grew from there. But there's people out there going, well, I didn't get to go to one of those and I didn't meet anybody. I did and all the people I met weren't from my place. And so how mm -hmm. do I start? And I'm like, you know, you could even start out by, you know, doing a meetup and, you know, watching, a, doing a, a, a showing of something like, you know, one of Jeff Lawton's stuff or something like that. Because you know that everybody that shows up for that is going to have an interest in a common ideal, which is being able to provide for yourself. And it could be anything. It could be, you know, Second Amendment related. It doesn't matter what it is, but you could do any kind of a, like a, an organic meetup, even if you don't know anybody. And then from the people that show up there, 
Like, when you came here, you didn't say, like, well, I'm going to make a list of everybody and put a group together. <laughs> right? You happened no, to hit no, no. it off with somebody who was in your area. And there might have been a person or two from your area, like, gee, okay, stay over there. But uh -huh. the ones where the relationship mess, that forms a core. And then, you know, there's, I know you have a background in marketing, and then there's an overlap with marketing to sales. And one of the rules in sales is the only reason that you go into the cold market, in other words, try to prospect somebody that you don't know at all and you have no connection to, is to get into their warm market. Because if you, if you only are, like, every time you prospect somebody, because you're trying to grow a business, for instance, if you win business, all you get is them, the sheer number of people you'll contact and the failures you get makes that unsustainable. You're, you'll go bankrupt before that pays off. But if everyone you do happen to get, you, you do such a good job with that they open up their warm market to you, so your cold market now becomes a new warm market, then you can grow a business. Well, not that methodical, because like you were saying, you don't want it to be agenda-driven, but it's no. the same psychology, that by finding a few good people, they everybody knows a couple good people, and all of a sudden you got a group, and then if you build it on a relationship and the common ideals, well, everybody likes to build an aquaponic system anyway, so let's go <laughs> drink some booze, cook a pig, and build an aquaponic system. But if you say, I want to put a group together that goes around building aquaponic systems for free then you sound like a taker. No one wants to be part of it, you know. And by leading with that relationship, you build a group of people that want to be together anyway. So while they're together, they might as well do something fun and productive. You know, it's interesting you say that, Jack, because we have a Middle Tennessee Facebook group for homesteaders, and a lot of what happens there is who can come to my house and help me for free. Mm -hmm. And they do free workshops, and people don't show up. And I yeah. think that's why it's because it's more, how do I benefit rather than we're friends? How can I help you? There's an attitude change there. I think it's a huge thing. And I think like, man, uh, one of the greatest currencies in the world is good food and beer. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you feed good food people. And beer really helps. <laughs> yeah. You feed people. And I mean, even we, you know, we do our, our, our workshop here once a year where people pay to come. But I mean, I try to shove a thousand dollars of food worth down you for your $500 for being here for a week. I mean, that's, If you if you feed people, they, they tend to show up and they want to come back. And you got to make it fun. And I think when I think a lot of those people too, Nicole, honestly, they probably do plan on feeding people and they plan on making it fun. But the phraseology, right? The way they yeah. present themselves, well, this person wants me to come work at their house for free, and I don't know them. Where I think that what you guys did is you led with, well, let's come meet each other and get to know each other. And then let's take this group that now likes each other and go do stuff. Yeah. And then other people see it, and then those people will help you the first time, right? So once you have that culture established, then when new people come in, they understand what the deal is, and they have a great time too. So there's a lot of people who want to do this. What would be some things that you would advise people to do to set things up for success early on? What early steps would you advise people who want to build community to take in the very beginning. Well, I, I mentioned earlier that I worked in libertarian public policy, right? And you were miserable. Libertarians <laughs> love rules. It's weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I am one, but they love rules. And when you have structure and rules, they'll follow them to the T. So if you set up your, your community and you over-engineer it, like, okay, when this gets really big, this is what we're going to need to manage it, it will fail out of the chute 
because you end up focusing on group administration over accepting the ebb and flow that's natural in a commu- in a community. I think you also need a primary means of communication, whether that be a Facebook or MeWe group, Zello, an email list, using Nextdoor, somewhere where people know, okay, I'm I'm I like this community and you know meetup and they have a meetup and now we're interacting on meetup like have some way that everybody knows what's going on so you don't have to stress yourself out managing logistics and then really important I think this is the number one thing is establish a culture of doing rather than learning you will learn together right mm-hmm. but if you're active if you're going to cut through the crap and get stuff done. If you have that as a culture, it's just not a turn on to the people who our energy sucks to the whole thing. Because, oh, you mean I got to do something? Never mind. I'll stay home and watch TV or play video games or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I give hippies a hard time all the time. And then I turn around and call myself a redneck hippie. <laughs> um, but within like modern hippie circles, I mean, we're not talking 60s stinky hippies. Um that Cartman from, uh, what is that, South Park has to drill through. Yeah. Uh, in the modern hippie circles, there's, there is a phrase known as the rainbow hippie instead of the rainbow hippie. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what you're talking about here. Like the person that is just a drain on the system, and even in hippie culture, they don't like those people. So if hippies don't like them, then, you know, libertarian anarchists really probably aren't going to like them at all. So, I, I mean, I completely agree with that. And by setting a culture... You don't have to do anything with those people. They just go away. They, right. they, in fact, a lot of them never really kind of show up in the first place because, well, this isn't a place for me. You know, it, it, I don't think they mean that in any kind of like you're not welcome way. I just mean that if I put out a certain bait, like for certain animals, like I put if I put a can of sardines out as bait. You know, raccoons and possums and cats are going to show up, but butterflies won't. My butterflies don't want anything to do with a rotten sardine. It just doesn't appeal to them. So when you create a group that's based on doing, people that don't do tend to go somewhere else because it doesn't appeal. Yeah, and people who do do become unfriendly towards those who don't over time. <laughs> that because it's annoying, right? Like yes. I call them energy vampires they just it's just like oh i gotta go take a nap i just talked to such and such okay well i don't need to be around that person no because yeah that's even worse they're like this the worst of the person doesn't do anything they literally suck (laughs) energy yeah i know exactly what you're talking you talk to him for five minutes and you feel like i need a shower to wake up and i need not talk to this person ever again for the rest of my life Um, yeah (laughs) the fewer of those you can have in your life the better you are they do exist um, I've been seeing you've been doing something really cool. Hashtag my three things online. What is my three things all about? Well, you know, I noticed that you saw it because you posted like nine things yeah. as your three things the yeah. first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an overachiever. You are. You are a lot. All of us are. And that is part of the point of my three things is we tend to overachieve and set goals for ourselves that may be more than we can do in a day. And so over the years, people have asked me, like, how do you get so much done? And and I always joke and say, like, you should look at what my house looks like right now because I need to vacuum it. And that's never on my three things. Right. But the, the truth is, I have used a method and it's what I 
it's what I talk people through when I do corporate coaching programs where I help them develop their long-term priorities and then break it into daily accomplishments. And the reason I've chosen sets of three is I can remember three things. You give me four things, I might forget the fourth one. And so it just forces you to prioritize, okay, today to move a ball forward. It doesn't have to go over the finish line, but it has to go forward. These are the maximum three things I will absolutely do or die get done. That doesn't mean you don't do a whole bunch of other stuff. It's just I really need the ball to move forward. Sometimes you just have one three thing. That's the way we say that, right? So your your one thing, like my one thing, I don't know if you heard, but all of my plumbing had to be replaced two weeks ago. I did not hear that. I'm sorry for for not commiserating with you because that sucks. Do you know how awesome the community is? So I live next door to two of your listeners uh, who are really good friends of mine now. They came over for a whole weekend and spent most of it in my attic rerouting pipes. <laughs> and yeah, that's our, pretty awesome. Our one three thing for the whole weekend was work on plumbing. So, I mean, because sometimes you just have to do one thing and you have to focus to get it done. So when I started talking about that method on my podcast, one of my biggest supporters, he started trying it. And this is, I don't know if you've seen a guy who has a, a paramotor and flies in your group. His name's Kurt. Anyway, okay. he is about to fly all the way across the state of Tennessee in October to raise money for a veterans retreat here. And so he started doing my three things to to develop the skill to be able to do that in a paramotor. And he said, I'm not, Nicole, I'm not doing it. I need accountability. Can I start posting this on your wall so that people see it? So then I really have to do it. And I said, no, let's do this. You find two other people who will post every day along with you, and we'll start either a Facebook group or a MeWe group, and now we have both, and we'll just see where this goes. But the deal is you guys have to post every day because I'm not – I don't want to be like the energy behind the group. And what happened is people started posting their three things. They started talking about it. They started critiquing the quality of the three things, right? And then all of a sudden more people joined. People who don't listen to my podcast joined and they're like, what's this about? I want to try this. And what's happened is a bunch of people have gone from starting to post about three things to starting businesses or working through a hard part of their life. And it's really cool. I think like the coolest thing that's come out of it is those stories I'm starting to hear of of successes because people stayed focused on their priorities. I don't know if you know this, but what you've done, and you tell me if you know the connection here or not, you've taken something that was made very famous by an old motivational speaker who's passed away long ago now named Zig Ziglar, and you've made it sustainable. Yeah, you, and you, I've... Do you know what I'm talking about? I've So I've read Zig Ziglar mm-hmm. and read about it, and I'm sure that's influenced me. I've I've read a lot of motivational and prioritizing things because I'm a really good pri- uh, procrastinator. So that doesn't surprise me to hear that. So what, what he used to have is he called it go on vacation every day. And his point was that let's say you're going to go on vacation starting Friday, and it's Thursday, and you go into the office. Well, the first thing you do is you cancel every meeting that's not essential. Yep. And you prioritize things, and you get more done in a day. And I won't go through the whole thing, but you get more done in a day than you usually get done in a week because it becomes urgent. Well, the thing is, you can't do that every day because, number one, you're going to piss people off and get fired if you have a (laughs) J-O-B, right? You can't always be that way. 
But what you did is you took that basic premise and said, here's the, here's the way to spread it out by just taking three things a day that are absolute must-be-done things. And one of the things I like is, you know, if somebody does it, you don't call them cheater, cheater, or whatever. But, <laughs> like, if, if, like, if I put on my three things, feed the ducks, that's, that's <laughs> cheating because I, that is a, that's like saying get out of bed and take a dump, right? I have to right. do that every day. So these are three things that you would call discretionary time budget things. You may not get them done, and the world won't end. They may not be part of your routine, but today those three damn things will be done. And is it better to get three things done every day for three days or get part of nine things done every day for three days? And the first one's obviously better because by the time you're actually done with all nine things, where if you get part of them done, you might end up with one or two done and then the other eight half or six halfway done. And so I, I really like the way people are doing that. And it, it's a good thing for people like me. It's something I do naturally because I know I have to because right. I'm the guy like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this over here. I'm going to go over <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I was in the middle of that. And what did I come in the room for? Oh, yeah, I was supposed <laughs> to find my coffee that I lost. So, wait, that's outside. I better go out and get I mean, that's, that is the ADD that is the Spirico world. And I have a feeling yeah. it's the sauce world too. It is. And it having is. any kind of an anchor point. At least that stuff's going to happen because when you get like that, you're like, where's my list? Uh, yeah. I, I'm in the, I'm the I'm, and I, I do this. I don't know if you do that. Well, it says I'm supposed to replace that hose bib today. I have a pair of pliers in my hand, and the closest thing to me is the leaking one. I'm doing <laughs> that one now. I'm doing it because I am closest to the number three, yep. and I have a piece of it for some other reason. There's a wire I bent back. And uh, I, I'm going to go do that because I won't do it if I don't do it. And I think it's a really powerful way for people to live. And if it's two things or three things or five, whatever it is, do something. But if you're going to play on Nicole's game, you got to do three or they call you out when you put down nine. Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> but that that is how I got the cookbook written, right? Yeah. So it was one recipe a week for member benefit, and then that turned into a cookbook in a year. And it still took me like three more months. To, to just compile them with introductions and all of that. So, yeah. Awesome. But, you know, had it was on my three things every Monday. So we've been talking about community a lot here. And I think getting shit done is a good way. And having three things is a good way to do that. But when we start building community, what we're really doing is we're building networks. Kind of why I brought up Zig, right? Because that was the yeah. big thing with Zig Ziglar. Brian Tracy, those guys. I mean, that was all back in the 90s when I was in sales. I was listening to those guys. And it's always about expanding that network. Harvey McKay was big on that as well. So what do you see is the biggest mistake people make when they're trying to expand their network of, of people they know? I, I think it's trying to expand their network. Okay. And because, a couple of reasons. And so the first thing they'll do is they'll be afraid to cut ties with energy vampires or people who are negatively impacting the community. So you'll lose your best members just like when you have employees and you have that one really politically savvy employee who just takes everybody's time and doesn't really do stuff and is always trying to get other people to do their stuff. You know that one? Yeah, you keep I know. that one and you, <laughs> you, you try to like keep them happy and then all your good people quit. That's what happens in a network too or in a community is because you're worried about attrition, you're not getting rid of the bad ones. And I don't mean like, hey, you're fired from the community, but just 
by not allowing their stuff to come in, they'll go away usually. It's funny you say you're, you're, you're not saying fired, but the first word that came into my mind was fired. <laughs> Because when you talk about the employee that's a problem, if, you're the man, if you have firing authority and you have that person, yeah. it needs aggressive counseling followed by immediate termination if the counseling fails because it will destroy a working group. When you do a social working group where you don't have, like, you don't give somebody a paycheck or whatever, you have less of that ability. So you have to find a, a more uh, socially acceptable way, I guess, to cause that person to self-terminate. Because yeah. it, the, the cancer is the same. You know, whenever, whenever we get a bad cop, for instance, people are like, ah, it's one bad apple, you know. Forget the rest of the thing, right? The bat, one bad apple does what to the whole bunch? It ruins it. And people inside groups and organizations that are that bad apple, you, they got to go. But when you have a network like you're talking about, you, you can't just say, hey, get out of here, except if you're me, because I'll totally do it, and you know that. Yeah, I know uh, you will. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> bye. Right? But the other side of it is like what you're saying. When you start trying to expand, then you start to focus on quantity over quality. Yeah, not And then good. because it's a numbers game, then you're doing too much where I think it's much more of how do you, how do you limit your network? Because if you're doing the right things, you attract people. So then it becomes more of how do I filter people so that I don't let the rotten egg in with the good eggs to screw everything up? Like, you know, how do I become that really, that really smart, broody hen that goes, I got to roll this one egg out of the box and stop putting <laughs> it back? I'm telling you it's bad. And, and, yeah. and so you de develop that. And I think if you develop a strong group, it's a permaculture principle as a way. Like that group becomes a guild. And everybody thinks about guilds as being this thing that's designed to be really, really inclusive. Well, guilds are actually exclusive. The reason yeah. I plant a certain plant in a guild is because it occupies a vertical space. And since I don't want poison ivy in there, I put some kind of ivy or climbing thing that's productive or at least non-toxic in there to occupy that space and to make the poison ivy not have a place to be. When you build a strong social group, on the concept of being a giver and a doer instead of a taker and a leech, then when a leech comes in, you don't really have like to do anything. Like the group does it. Like you're not allowed here anymore. And I bet you've seen that. I know I have in like yeah. Facebook groups, even in like face virtual world, Facebook groups and stuff. Somebody comes in, it's a total troll, and you're like, let me get the band hammer out, and, and, and they're <laughs> just now. they're just evisive. <laughs> you're like, oh, that was that was brutal. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to my life. I don't have to do jack crap now. This is just, that was awful. Like, wow. Oh, that hurt. I'm glad it wasn't me. And, and like, so that, and people are a little more brutal online than offline, but I think they are. if you just focus on the quality of what you're doing, you have enough people wanting in that you can take the people that belong in. Yeah. And I mean, another thing that you see happening is this artificial push from the top down of the founding members or the organizers, rather than tapping into the energy that comes from the bottom up of a community, mm -hmm. which is the same as marketing your business, right? I, if somebody wants a website coaching program one on one, rather than for me to build a website, I'll do that. They asked for it. If multiple people ask for it, I'll do it. Same with the community. If they want to be accountable about my three things or if they want to put aquaponics systems and you just go with it. Sure. Sure. I think that like there's 
in the world, there's people that are natural, innate leaders. And because of that, people naturally follow them. Yeah. And the danger of that is becoming a leader of an organization that should be leaderless. leaderless. In other words, right. we should have leaders within organizations rather than leaders of organizations, if that makes sense. So the difference is if I'm a leader of an organization, I'm a manager, then I might take input from everybody, but in the end, I'm going to make the final decision even if the, if I'm a good manager, even if the idea is in mine, I'll take that energy from the bottom, like you said, said we're implementing Tom's plan. Right. When you're in a leaderless organization, leaders are there to serve, and that means when Tom has a great idea – And, and Tom has the ability to lead, you just get the hell out of the way and let Tom lead for a while, and you lead when necessary. And, and then good leaders go, Tom's kind of shy. and Tom's really right <laughs> about this. And Tom's not ready to be pushed into leadership, so I'm going to kind of aid Tom in getting this thing done and yeah. do as little as I possibly can in that leadership role, but just enough so Tom's voice doesn't get drowned out. And that is for a lot of people that are strong personality types and strong leaders and come from a management and get things done background. It's a very uncomfortable position to be in because, you know, in the past, had Tom not done what Tom said he was going to do, they got fired. This isn't that world. And we can't treat it like that world because nobody's like, yay, let's go to work, right? So, like, <laughs> <laughs> or you're on some really Interesting drugs, if that's true, right. Right? right? So, like, people don't do this to have another work environment, and what I mean by that is a job environment. Right. So they don't want you telling them what to do, so you have to have that of this. It's almost a lot like the old-school militias back in, you know, colonial times and all, where the guy that was in charge of the unit today may not be the person that was in charge tomorrow because the mission mm -hmm. changed, and everybody in the, the this militia unit would say, you know, Mark really should take over right now. And rank was very fluid within those militias because of that. Officers were elected, and sometimes, like, yeah, everything just changed. Today we're, <laughs> we're picking new people because we know that you're not right for this. And in that yeah. environment, it was understood, like, okay, I'll step aside. I'll become a private again. We're not paying anyway for this crap. And it is right. kind of this – it's a different thing, different mission, but it's the same type of mindset that we need leadership to exist based on who knows what's going on. You, we, we ran our spring things at the same time this year, so we didn't get yeah. to attend each other's. But when we were building my pond, we were putting this huge liner in a 12-foot in a, in a by 12-foot box. Big, huge rubber liner, heavy, hundreds of pounds. There was a dude here that clearly had done it before, and I'm there teaching everybody what's going on. But when he started doing the corners, I shut my mouth. I got out of the <laughs> box. Move. I went and stood in the shade because I've been in there baking in the heat like a, like a solar oven. And that thing, I still don't know how he did it. Because I got so far out of the way, the students could see what was going on and I couldn't because, uh, well, he's done this before and I haven't. Not that way, so I'm going to get the hell out of the way. And if you have that from all your leadership, then you build something really powerful. And it seems like that's a big part of what you guys have done. Yeah, I think it's a servant warrior mentality where I'm here to serve and we have people with different expertise. Just it's it's come up, you know, somebody's better at electrical wiring, somebody's better at plumbing, somebody's better at figuring out how to write the whole plan. And once you figure out who those people are, you just let them do it 
because everybody's better off if the people who are best at those things do those things. And you know, we'll be doing an, a, something, a project, and an electrical problem will come up, and people will yell, electric guy, and he knows who he is. And he comes <laughs> over, yes. <laughs> I need electric guy over here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, if you got if you're doing a, a workshop on on processing animals and you got somebody that skinned a thousand animals in their life, right? You might want to put him in charge for a while. The key is for that person to slow down mm -hmm. and actually instruct someone else in how to do it. And it's 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 the same way we we try to raise our kids and often we fail. Like you want the kid to learn how to do something, so you show them how to do it, and basically that means you did it, and they don't know and anything. They don't know anything. But you got yeah. it done fast. And yeah. so if you can throttle that, you know, and then pass the knives around. We did one of those up in West Virginia. And I got a little bit scared after a while. We were skinning two <laughs> pigs. And there was about four people with razor blade sharp Patrick knives on each pig. And some of them were kids. And it's like, okay, let's just back up a little bit here. And let's do one person at a time. It's going to take longer. Yeah, but, yeah. No, but no one's going to bleed except the pig. And I the like only, that. <laughs> the, the only time I've ever been cut butchering, I was cut with a Rorman. Oh, yeah. I was pointing where they needed to cut, and they came in with a knife, and it was somebody else cut my finger. Mm. And it was a, it was a pig processing. That's my favorite knife to process pigs with, by the way. The little one? It's, the, the little, the Genesis, yep. it, it just gets right under the skin. It's perfect. It's, it's a great skin and knife for sure. Um Why is this so important to you? Why is building community so important to you in the first place? Clearly, you've made a lot of effort, and I know you, you don't put effort in things just because they're a good thing. You do it because it's a good thing, and it's a good thing that you want to do because you're motivated to do it. Uh, you know, it's so you and I, I think, are driven by a similar mission in life, and we see a problem. We use different words for it probably, but like modern society, modern culture – has has been sort of degrading what I would call true community and replacing it with fake ones. Uh, an example of what I would call a fake community is your school district. Mm -hmm. Your school district is defined by geography. You must go to this school, and therefore you are part of the community, and then they have people who are head of community outreach for that. Well, that's not a real relationship. That's that's enforced by government, and that's why people get into these habits when they're developing community of going top-down because that's the model they see. Meanwhile, real relationship-based communities are – they're getting smaller. People aren't going to church as much, and, and the effect on, on on our society is not a good one. We have a lot of people who don't know how to take care of themselves, and I think we always have. But now it, it feels like it's getting worse. I haven't tracked this statistically. And so I really like developing community to me is the counter balance to that, where if, if we expand our community, if we end up with more doers willing to help each other, then we're in a much better place. And I think the TNGSD crew feels the same way. One of the members wrote a guide on how to develop how to get something like this started. And some of your TSP groups in other states are starting to do it. So I, that's one reason. But I think another and bigger reason is that being prepared for life doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't. You need to do your best to take care of yourself and your family. But I think real stability is achieved through a stable network of people who can support you through cancer if you get it or through a job loss 
through a total meltdown of your plumbing <laughs> over the weekend, you know, if, if you have those people, you're just so much stronger. And if you can help people, you're stronger. It's almost like how the Amish do a barn raising. Like they come together in a, in a day and they're putting a barn up and some of them are cooking for everybody and some of them are doing the work, but it's that, that whole energy comes together. And some of that to me feels lost in society. And I think that's why we have so many depression issues and, and other problems that didn't seem to be a big part of our society a hundred years ago. You know, you hit on a big thing there with the Amish barn raising that I've been waiting for an opportunity to mention. And that is that a lot of times people, when they see groups like this and they think about getting involved, they say, well, what, the reason I don't want to get involved maybe is because I don't know what I can do. Because I don't know if they're going to do a solar array. And I, I'm happy to learn, but I don't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. And what you did, like you said with the Amish barn raising is, well, some people make food. Yeah. Like some, there's always something that someone can do to help in a situation like that, whether it's make food, whether it's to make sure that everybody else is comfortable, whether it's to be the person that can run and get stuff and be a yep. gopher. Well, it doesn't <laughs> matter. And, and then the other side is the way you become more useful is through developing more skills. So you may not know how to build an entire solar array, but I bet you can run a cordless drill and run a, run a, a bolt in that holds one down. Mm -hmm. And so, or, or, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, one of the greatest guys I ever served under in the military was a captain. And this guy was out of West Point, and I was young and stupid, and I expected West Point to be kind of like an Ivy League, which it kind of is of, you know, military officers. And I expected kind of that snooty, you know, Yale, Harvard type attitude. This dude was amazing. He came down to the motor pool one day, and this is, I'm in Honduras in the middle of nowhere. I'm laying on my back under a truck, and I'm cussing. And I can I can cuss, I mean, when I'm pissed, <laughs> I know. right? And, I mean, yeah. this is a bad day. And, and there is no one there to help me. And I'm doing a transmission job, which you really need a second set of hands when you're, you know, putting a transmission in with a chain and a tanker bar through the inside of the truck. And it's, it's just a pain in the butt to do alone. And uh, he says, what are you doing under there, Spirico? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I come out, and he goes... <laughs> He goes, where is everybody? And it wasn't like everybody slacked off. People were out on the road and stuff like that. And I was like, there's no one here. And he goes, well, I can help. Oh, damn it. You know, like, this is going to be awful. And uh, he's like, you got any coveralls? Yeah, there's some in the tool van. And he goes in there, comes out in coveralls. He climbs under the truck with me. And I'm thinking, God, God. He goes, okay, I don't know jack shit about any of this, but I got two hands and I'll put them wherever you tell me. Tell me what you need. <laughs> nice. And I would have went to war with that dude. Yeah. He knew what he didn't know. But he knew that he could help. And if, if a guy that is a West Point graduate and a captain in a position of a commanding officer of a company can do that, so can anybody else. Admit what you don't know, but do what you can to help, and you'll learn so much more along the way that you'll be able to do more in the future. Yeah, and even if you are a quote-unquote expert, sometimes it's better to kick back. Absolutely. And be the resource rather than so that other insist person can learn. that everybody know. Yeah. yeah. It, so that other person can it, learn. Or and what are you an expert in? Right. Right. I mean, if you, if, if you have solar panels going in and Sean Mills is there and you're not involving him, I just don't know <laughs> what's wrong with you. But that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that if you're, uh, I don't know, changing out uh, – starter motor in a diesel truck or put a fuel pump where you need to know about timing setting he may not you know he may not know a damn thing about that 
So everybody's an expert in something or some things. And then hopefully, you, if you do things the way we teach around here and what you teach as well, is you build this broad general knowledge as well. But you, st like, man, if, if you ain't learning something every day, what do you get up and breathe for is the way I look at it. And yeah. it requires ignorance to be able to learn something new. Like, you have to not know a thing to be able to learn a thing. Yeah, and you have Does to admit to yourself, you have to admit to yourself you don't know it. And that can be really hard for people. It requires ignorance to learn a thing. I don't think I've ever said that before, but I think I'm going to say it again. Yeah, you should write that <laughs> quote down and put it on a meme. That's going to be a Law of Life 31, I think. <laughs> yeah, it requires ignorance to learn a thing. And it does. I think the other thing is, and why you are so successful what you do, I think you're a lot like me, and it like gives you happiness yeah. to see other people learn and achieve. We share a mutual friend named David, and I remember him one time. He said, you're just a teacher. That's what you do. I'm not. I don't want to be. And he said, I see you sometimes. You're talking to somebody, and they look like they're doing long division in their head. They don't <laughs> understand it. And you'll explain it seven different ways. And all of a sudden, I see the light bulb gone, and it goes in, and I think, Well, good for him. He won, meaning I won. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I didn't win. They did. Yeah. Because they learned. And that's what's important. It's not important to me that I successfully taught you. It's important to me that you learned the thing that you wanted to learn. And that naturally leads to, well, since I don't know everything and I want people to learn shit and I want to learn shit, I need people that know things and can do things to be involved with me. And then you build this group. And if you think about what you've done is built like a regional expert council, like we have yeah. here on the show, that you're part of here on the show. Like, I don't know about this, but he does. And he, he doesn't know, but he knows someone that knows somebody that knows. And people start making phone calls, and next thing you know, they either have the information or a new person shows up. And I think in groups, like, you want new blood coming in, and that's why I think you have to be really careful about, you kind of alluded to this earlier, clickish nature of a group. Like, you got people that have been part of it a long time, things are a certain way, somebody new shows up, they can get kind of buried or feel that they don't have a voice. And I think that's a bad thing, too. Yeah. And, you know, if the group were 200 people large, it would be harder to do that. Yeah. But you know, there's, what, 20 of us or so? We've add We keep adding some more, and some of them are not from Tennessee. Sure. So they're from nearby, though. And it so part of it is region, but... A lot of it is attitude. We'll we'll bring in our friend from Missouri and say, yeah, come join us. And, you know, they come once a year rather than every time. But it works. And I think new people have felt welcome. We had I did a GSD weekend in July. We had two new people. And they at the end of the day, they said it was awesome to work next to people who work as hard as I do. Now, that was they were all excited about it, and I'm like, okay, let's go get some bourbon. <laughs> absolutely right. So now, if you are that new person, though, I do think there's a certain etiquette, and I think it's less of a deal in the real world. I think I see it a lot more in forums and stuff online because no one knows anybody. People come in and start telling everybody how things should be. It's like, no, you don't get to do that. But new people should bring that new blood. That's part of why they're there. So how does the new person kind of balance that? How do they behave? as they come into an existing group with an understanding that there are existing relationships. Well, so exuberant people will come into a group and they'll be like way too much because they want to show everybody stuff and they want to do stuff, right? And if you're one of those exuberant people, I'm actually thinking of somebody who's been to a number of your workshops right now who's very exuberant. Nice guy, really exuberant, needs to back off a bit. 
And so understanding when you come into a new community, your role is not to be the expert. The first thing you are is the learner. And what you're learning is what the group is about, how the culture is. You might be learning new skills that you didn't know that you didn't know. Hmm. But asking questions and talk, you know, ask questions first, ask questions more than you speak. I always call it talk with your ears. When you when you approach it that way, people get to know you and then you transition from the learner into the doer. And that's the person who's helping to do things. And over time, people realize you're good at something like our electric guy. Oh, he's an electrical engineer. Perhaps we should ask him this question. And then you become the expert. So understanding if you're the learner, the doer or the expert is really important in the group dynamic, because if you're the learner trying to be the expert and it's not time yet, that can mess up your your role in the in the community. And I, I do see community investment as a bank account balance. You have to put something in before it you get something out. And if you're only doing it to get something out, that never balances. But if you keep seeing is it what am I putting in, it gets it it just naturally develops into something that's that's great to be around. Yeah, and I think one thing we might want to point out there, though, it's great to ask questions, but you don't want to ask so many questions. You get a special rule named after you either. You know, he's in the TNGSD crew, too. I know. I know. He might just get shot with an airsoft gun multiple times if you do that. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's, you know, asking questions all the time. That's true. But he also asks questions that he thinks other people want to know the answer to. Yeah. Be careful of asking questions you already know the answer to and trying to lead an instructor. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You might get shot with an airsoft gun, and I'll leave it there because I know he's going to listen today. Yeah, anyway, I know. Anyway, uh, though, I got to say, the last two times he here he was here, he was great. Yeah. But we, we shot him the second to the last time he was here, and then there was no need to shoot him. So if y'all start shooting him, it might work out. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, he was asking a lot of questions the last time I saw him, but it wasn't yeah. in the same way. Okay. And I just had to razz him about it because he, the thing about him is you can razz him and he doesn't get upset. And yeah. so, like, it's it's part of the dynamic. We had a speaker at my workshop who was not from the community talking about fermented foods. Yeah. And we were razzing him. And the speaker was trying to defray the situation and oh. the tension that was not there. And I was yeah. like, oh, that guy's never coming back to speak here again because he thinks we're all a bunch of jerks. But <laughs> Yeah, my grandson doesn't get it because he's eight. One of the last times we were here, yeah. the person we were talking about, Jake, um, said something <laughs> about when he, was, when he just got here. And my grandson was here on reception day. And he said something like, I have a secret weapon or something this time or something so that he didn't be disruptive. And I said, what is it, a stapler for your mouth? And my Aww. grandson runs to my wife, and she, he's like, why is Papa Jack being so mean to that guy? <laughs> and then we just did the jerk show, so I was screening all the calls. Yeah. And uh, he he went to, 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 to Dorothy, and he's like, why are these people all calling Papa Jack a jerk? They're being mean to Papa Jack. <laughs> and like, The upshot of that is if you have new people to a group and you have something like that going on, you might want a clue of it because they may yeah. not understand, right? I didn't really think of it, but, yeah, like, man, these guys are brutal. No, yeah. they're just having fun, you know. Yeah, uh, and that, that particular speaker is a very peaceful person, so it was not his thing. <laughs> no, I know. I think I think I know who you mean, too. Yeah. Um, what is the best thing that has come to you from growing the community around you? What has it really done to make Nicole's life happier and better and brighter? You know, I am a lot happier 
now than I was three years ago when this was starting to happen. But I hate to think of it as what did I get from the community? Because what I see is every time I put in energy to the community that's growing around me and in your community, it gives me back way more than I give it. I almost feel a little guilty, except for my guilt gene's pretty small. Mm. You know, I think like Holler Roast wouldn't exist without it. My podcast would have probably made it to 20 episodes and stopped. I get to coach people through web development and lifestyle design now because of the community. And this year, I've had a lot of really tough things happen personally. And I've discovered that I have true close friends who I can trust with anything. So I, I would say the relationships are the best thing that I've had and understanding that it's okay to accept help from people. Absolutely. I think it is as you start to make an impact and you see people giving to you, it's hard to accept it sometimes. Yeah. It really is. And, and you have to realize, I think one of the things with taking help from people in general is, You can be a parasite if you go out of your way to, to steal from people or to take from people. But when mm -hmm. you're not trying to take and people give, there's a reason they want to. And it's okay to accept it. Yeah. It's hard, though, for independently-minded people. But I, I agree. I think it honors them when you take it. And I'm always willing to help, too. But it's always – it's like uh, – I like what I've gotten from the community and I'm a much, I'm like, I'm landing on my feet right now through some things that I don't think I would have, I would still be replumbing my house if it wasn't for this community, right? And instead, two friends spent all of their weekend, I spent all of my weekend doing it and it got done in two days rather than two weeks with me alone. And, and I think that's important. And the fact that they're willing to drop everything and just do that for me is pretty awesome. That is amazing. Um, what's next for you? What are you going to do next? Like you ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> I don't have anything to do. <laughs> well, so we talked about my three things earlier and I'm, I'm working on, on the system for that, like codifying it in writing and guides and tools so that more people can use it without having to hire me as a consultant. So that'll be coming out. Nah, I can't say exactly when because you know how that goes, but we're working on it over the week weekend. I mean, the winter and I get to help you with your fall workshop, which Absolutely. means I get to see more community. I'm really looking forward to this one, Jack. It sounds really fun. This is going to be a blast. Just a little alert for people. We have I keep getting people asking if we've got dates. We haven't officially announced it, but we have the dates. November 6th through 10th. Uh, and mine work this way. You show up on Wednesday or Thursday morning if you're if you're slow to the party. And uh, Wednesday <laughs> we just hang out and have some drinks and get to know each other. And people show up around midday and, and on from there. And then the seventh, eighth, and ninth, which is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, is the actual workshop. And then you got to get your ass off my property on Sunday so I can go back yeah. and take a nap because we're tired at the end of them. You've done them. You know how it is. Uh, By 9 a.m., preferably. Yeah, yeah. Like like 9.45, there's a foot pressing your butt off the property. Um, so this this year what we're doing, we're kind of, we used to do really more of a like workshops that meant work, right? We did a lot of plannings and stuff when the yeah. property was new. So we're going to kind of do a throwback to that with the first day we're building some really cool garden beds and, and, and finishing off the pond system I built. We'll do some property tours and then – Friday, we're doing the same thing we did last year because people loved it. We're just having a big, giant-ass party day. 
Uh, yeah, that gonna, was great. We're going to do a bunch of little mini courses all day long. It's like an all day long party, barter blanket that night. And I think what we really found with that is people got so much more time to network by not doing, like, I felt obligated to, you know, have, you know, five, six presentations a day every day if we weren't doing something physical. Mm -hmm. And it, people learned a lot, but they didn't get as much time to be together. And by giving, like, this whole day of, like, yeah, we're talking how we made this or what, why this beer goes with this or whatever, but... In the end, you, you come and go as you please with that, and people just got so much more close to each other, and yeah. that made Barter Blanket better because everybody knew everybody for Barter Blanket, and, <laughs> and the smack talk was so much better. It was uh, way better. And then, you know, we had the karaoke machine that Jake broke. It, it, it finally gave up, committed suicide on yeah. the third night, and we'll have, I'll probably do it again because it broke last year, so I returned it got my money back, so it was free. Maybe we'll do that again. Uh, I can bring mine. Oh, all right, we'll do that then. I don't have to. I'll well, bring my PA Jake, system. Might, Jake might kill it. You got to be careful. No, no, it's a PA system. It'll oh, okay. Be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I should talk to Hatch with our AV. We might not even. I don't even know if we even need it. Um, but uh, so we we get we got that, and then we're gonna do you know presentations and workshops on Saturday. We're gonna focus a lot a lot of stuff that we've been talking about today is building businesses, how to market yourself. Mm -hmm. Things like that. So we kind of bring those three things together in one. And um, it, it is the, the, the coolest group of, of 60 to 70 people you will ever hang out with in your life. You can attest to that. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, because one year. of them's you. Like, you can't one say it's not me. true because then you'd say it's not you. Yeah, people get to hang out with you and with me, Jack. Yeah, yeah. And all What these, more could you ask for? And all these other crazy people, too, <laughs> man. And uh, so... Uh, we'll probably make the formal announcement here in September, and we'll probably, by the end of the month, we'll go ahead and take deposits and seats because you know, that sells out, and i got to get my butt to work on making all the food. If you don't pre-cook for these things, it, it, oh, yeah. it, it hits you hard. But it's going to be really fun. You're doing more of the spring things. I did one this year because, well, it made sense. I, I'm trying to do one a year, and I think you probably understand why at this point. Yes. It's, well, right. I, I'm glad I'm not doing more than one a year. We are going to do... I'm going to do Girl Gun Weekend here at some point where awesome. it's women and we'll go to the range and there's a there's a, a instructor nearby and just learn how to use our guns better because a lot of people in the community here who are female like we know how to use guns but we haven't practiced much and Absolutely. so that'll be so that's like a little mini thing but yeah the scale of the workshop that you put on It's huge. Like, I made 90 meatballs the week before my... <laughs> 90. 90. 90. Those are amateur numbers in this racket. You've got to up those numbers. <laughs> There's a lot of meatballs. But, you know, meatloaf is easier, by the way. You can just slice it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think last time around we made 280 meatballs. Uh, That's a lot of rolling for Dorothy. I cook them, I mix them and all. She does all the rolling because apparently... I am an incompetent roller, which oh. maybe it's feigned incompetence. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe she's really well, particular with the way they got to be. We're thinking about doing instead of meatball sliders, which is basically make a meatball and flatten it. Yeah, good um, idea for for Friday. One of Friday's you know, things, and you know, we got a bunch of fish for that because you helped mm -hmm. catch them. And yeah, we, that was fun. We didn't go fishing. We went catching. Right. You know, I, mean, I appreciate <laughs> you teaching me how to catch. <laughs> There was no fishing involved. It yeah. was just put the line in the water and reel it in. And there's a fish on it. I think we we got close to a limit for four people and a white bass. That's a lot of fish. That would have been a hundred, and we had a few 
segues here and there. I think we would have hit that hundred, but it was yeah, like ninety so, fish from four people, and you know, I mean, it was it's pretty good trip. So we got a bunch of fillets, and we're going to be doing some fried fish and you know, figuring out a good beer to go with that, and it's going to be a hell of a time. And uh, so, yeah, you know, Nicole will be here, I'll be here, and. I'm still waiting for some confirmation for people, but generally a large person, portion of the expert council is here. Um, people like Bones and Amy, they're not going to come. They're too busy off gallivanting in Europe or something like that. But the rest oh, of them, geez. you know. Yeah, they went to, they went to the <laughs> U.K. for uh, three weeks. And good time, too, because their place is in Miami. So the hurricanes come, they just leave. That's um, a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Just leave. So anyway, uh, appreciate you being with us today. You got any final sure. thoughts for folks today? I have a special announcement. Oh, do that. I do. Okay, so remember your coffee? Yep. So big news. I I have two bags of it coming in. So I have about 200 pounds coming in later this month. Awesome. And I have at hollerose.com, I have put a pre-order page for your listeners who want to get the Jack's Bourbon Cooled Sumatran Bean. All right. And it is a new year, so it's a new crop. I'm sending you some this week so you can taste it because I got a preview of it. Okay. It's better. That's oh, great. <laughs> it's even better. So I'm really excited to have that up there. And if you're thinking, oh, you know, I want to get some for mom for Christmas, I've put on the drop down if you want it ASAP or if you want it mailed near Christmas. Oh, okay. So if people want to do it for gifts, they just say near Christmas, I'll wait till then. You know, and we then, did that as a blonde the first time because it sounded yeah. cool, bourbon, blonde roast. And it was good, but we went ahead and tried it at like a more of a medium roast, and it mm-hmm. was better. It's better at medium, I agree. So I we're going to do it that way. But I think you do a lot of roasting to people ask what they want for, right? Yeah, so you can choose blonde, medium, or dark on that. And if, if you have a specific request, just email me. There's a contact form on the website. If you have but. a specific request, expect to buy a lot of it. Let me just yes. say that. I'm going to say that whether you will or not. Like, if you want a pound of custom roast, you, you, you'll do it. What, 80 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Well, Patrick Rorman has a roast he really likes. Yeah. And he buys coffee for me all year. So then and we'll do it. Yeah, right. So he has a setting on my roaster. <laughs> the Patrick setting, which the is, Patrick I think it's, a, I think it says, a, like you scratched out where it said annihilate and changed <laughs> it to Roman because it's like beyond espresso roast or something. Uh, no, no, no. That's your buddy, David. Oh, okay. Now, Patrick likes a very light bean. Really? And, yeah. See, I always thought just because of where it is in the drop down, it was a very dark roast. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, the Rorman blend is different than the Ro- than Patrick's roast because he has a special bean. The Rorman blend is medium mixed with dark, cool. Which All is right. what his wife liked first, and then he I had him taste a bunch of beans. Anyway, Jack's Bourbon Cooled is back, and I got more of it this year than last year. So when we run out, we run out. All right. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes if you give me a link to put in the show notes so people can pre-order it. I will. And then people need to get by your website, tell them about that in your podcast, and let's wrap this thing up so I can go eat lunch. It's like 2 o'clock. <laughs> what a late lunch. So livingfreeintennessee.com is my podcast, and it's it's about homesteading and business, and I tell a lot of stories about goats. A lot of people like those stories about goats. I don't know why. I'm really into just tapping into what's seasonal, 
So if you're looking for a podcast, go check it out, listen to it. And that website is actually the website that will lead you to any of my other businesses because all the links are there. So because that's livingfreeintennessee.com. Because you don't I hate money. Sometimes I don't hate money. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But, but I have all these websites that link to them so I can find them all. And, hey, <laughs> I enjoyed talking with you as I always do, Nicole. Can't wait to see you this November. And thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I told you it would be a good interview, but how the hell could it not have been? I could have probably just sat there and said nothing the whole damn time and let her do it, and it would have been fine. So uh, we bring Nicole on. You know we're going to have a great show. With that, hope you took some good takeaways from today's show and, and, and start thinking more about building community in your area. As I always say when this comes up, and it comes up, you know, I probably talk about it once a month or so about building some kind of a group or what have you. But I'm going to tell you that it's something I get emails about daily. I mean, literally every day there's at least one email from someone. Usually it's a new person to the show, uh, just found us from one avenue or another. And I want to put together a group. Lead with the relationship. Lead with the common interest. Build friendships. And friendships turn into groups of friends. And all of a sudden you got a group and you didn't even try that's what's made what Nicole's doing really work. It wasn't I'm going to go out and make a group that does stuff. It's I'm going to go out and find friends that have common interests. And then when friends of common interests get together, they tend to do things. It's crazy. Anyway, with that, as we uh, wrap up today, I want to remind you, you can help support this show two ways. One, become a member. It's really easy. Go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on members to learn more and sign up. And I would really appreciate it if you do that, if you haven't ever done it before. Um, my big thing is my membership will pay for itself. I've got a handful of the more than 70 discounts that any individual one of that handful will more than pay for your membership for a full year. You can go take a look at everybody that's there. I mean, but one example is I have several seed companies, and their discounts range from 10 to 20%. And a lot of people that are doing market gardens and stuff like that, they make their money back in spades just on the discounts there. We have a 10% discount to plants and trees at Bob Wells Nursery. If you do a spring planting every year, plants and tree, you know, trees and shrubs and stuff, man, you, it's almost impossible to not get 50 bucks out of 10% um, because it's expensive stuff. You know, you're buying an investment for the rest of your life when you're putting a tree and it's going to live for 50 years. Uh, we have a lot of others. Butcher Box, customers of Butcher Box. It's only 10 bucks a month, but if you get a monthly box, it's $120 a year just for being my member at 50 bucks a year. And there's a bunch more. And if you're military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, or a first responder, you qualify for a discount. Just email me with service discount, TSPC in the subject line, and I will get back to you and give you the discount code. If you ever email me for anything with TSPC in the subject line and a couple days go by, work days go by, and you don't hear from me, email me again. Sometimes I miss things, and I try to always take care of stuff. Remember, I am mostly a one-man show. Dorothy handles my interview scheduling. I do everything else, including answer all your customer service and inquire emails and just questions and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's, it's harder to do now than it was in the beginning. When I started out, and there was a couple thousand people out there listening to me. It was really easy to answer every email and do all that. I can't answer every email anymore. I can't respond to every comment, every place anymore. But I try my best, and I read them all. And I, I do consider the overall feeling and thoughts and ideas coming from the audience in everything that we do. And I feel that if I ever were to get an assistant to scan that stuff for me and whatever, it might be more efficient, but it wouldn't be real anymore. And it's important to me that this show always stays real. And you know when you get an answer from an email to me that I sent it to you. Even if I tell you to go screw it, 
At least I want you to know that I cared enough to tell you to go screw. Seriously. Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and uh, remind you the other way that you can help support this show is by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Most of you probably buy something a couple times a month or three or more once a week online. If you're going to do that, all you got to do is go to tspaz.com first. The beauty of that is you can look, if you're looking for something specific, everything I've ever reviewed on Amazon is there alphabetically. There's over 300 items reviewed, and every one of them I own, I spend my money on it, and I would spend my money on it again, or I wouldn't recommend it to you, and I give you the honest reviews. And it's not, here's the three best gizmos, right? And, and, and this is the best gizmo, and the middle gizmo, and the lower gizmo, and if you want to... No, I don't do that crap. That's all those review sites. This is the thing that I spent my money on because it's the best value that you can get for this thing in this niche. And this is why. And that's my reviews. And if you don't want to buy anything there, you can still just check out the deals of the day, whatever. And as long as you start there... You help us. It's so simple. It's painless, so please do it. Anyway, today's item of the day is something I hadn't brought around for one year exactly. It was actually like, I think it was uh, uh, one year and one day ago that I brought this product around last time. It's Frontier Co-op Organic Valerian Root. There's a, a, a small group of companies, Frontier, uh, Star, West, uh, Star West, and a couple others that when I'm looking for bulk herbs on Amazon, I always go to one of this little handful of companies. It's always great pricing. Organic, free trade, etc., and high quality. High qu I don't care what the hell. If it ain't high quality, I don't want it. It's not worth my time. I don't care if it's saving my money. If it's not high quality, I don't want it. It's not worth my time and your time. This is top quality red valerian root, and valerian is a sedative. Uh, it's actually similar in many ways to what you end up with when you go all the way and you create something called Valium, right? Except it ain't like Valium. It's not habit-forming or anything like that, but it has that sedative, antidepressant effect. And the reason I started using it in the first place is I have trouble getting to sleep sometimes at night because some of the stuff Nicole and I talked out today, my mind's like, blah, 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 blah. you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to do this and over there. And I sometimes need to just shut up and quiet down so I can go to sleep. And you lay down and you think you're tired and all of a sudden your mind wakes up and goes, hey, Hey, are you going to do this tomorrow? Are you going to do that tomorrow? Hey, what about this for the show? I think you should. And that's your brain talking to you. And you want your brain to shut up and go to bed. Valerian's really good at that. But I have a recipe for a tea. And I want to say something about this tea. A lot of the teas I recommend, I'm like, this tastes amazing. To me, this tastes okay with a faint background flavor and aroma of gym sock. I mean, not really bad gym sock, like half day, didn't sweat much gym sock, but that's the best way I can describe it. This, you're not drinking this so that you can be like, oh, this is this savory and I enjoy the flavor. This is to go the hell to sleep. And it's made with valerian, re valerian root, uh, demanual leaf, passion flower, peppermint, mugwort, and rose petals. And I give you links to get all of this stuff, and the only one that you cannot get on Amazon is Demania. And some states have actually banned this herb because they're stupid, because some people think they can smoke it and get high, and they can't, but like Louisiana is stupid about things like that. So I think Louisiana is one of the states that banned it. Uh, so Amazon generally doesn't sell anything if it can't go to all 50 states. All right, so, uh, but you can get it from some other places. I have some links, and you don't need it. It's a nice to have in this mix, um, and I tell you how to substitute for it. But if you didn't even do anything but take a, a, a double teaspoons of valerian root, put it in some hot water, 
and drink that, you'd still have a really great result. If you want a gentler way to get to sleep at night and you have that problem of thinking about things and being unable to let go and get to sleep nice and easy, give this stuff a try. CBD oil works great for me too, but this is about as you know benign as it gets. It uh, works really, really great. I give you the whole recipe and everything. You don't have to buy a pound of it, but if you use it and you like it, I try to buy all my herbs by the pound if they get used frequently because you can vacuum seal them. They last for damn near ever, and you just spend so much less money overall that way. So check it out again, Frontier Co-op. And whenever you're on Amazon looking for herbs, again, Frontier Co-op and Star Wars Botanicals are two companies that you can trust when you're buying stuff in bulk. With that, let's talk about our song of the day. John Adam, um, I didn't get through his whole list because we had a broken week last week. I haven't gotten a new list, and we ran out, and he had given me a Jimmy Buffett song I played for you yesterday called Come Monday, and I decided I'm going to do all Jimmy Buffett songs this week for this four weeks and no party songs. You know, no no pseudo-country Buffett, no Margaritaville, all kind of really slow, quiet ballads, and some that you've probably heard, and maybe some you haven't. If you are at all a Jimmy Buffett fan, you've heard this, but a lot of people that just know Buffett from the two or three songs he got on the radio, and Margaritaville, which is on every radio station sooner or later, uh, you may have never heard this song. I think I might have played it once before. It's called Changing Channels. And it's not like changing radio channels. The, the, the play on words here is for when you're out in the ocean in a ship and changing channels in a ship. Except what we're talking about here is people. And this song is kind of a combination of two things, in my opinion. Jimmy's not said a lot about this one, so you have to guess for yourself. One is it's clearly a, a, a ballad and a recognition to the people of many of the island nations in the Caribbean, and probably including places like New Orleans and, and, and Creole culture in this as well. Um, and the diverse background and the struggles they've been through. One of the lines is, you know, survivors of tidal waves, children of former slaves. So there's definitely a piece of that to it. But I think that this man does not write music that only applies to one thing. That's a, There's a deeper side to Buffett. I guess, you know, I don't know, why don't we get drunk and screw might be an exception. Margaritaville might be an exception. But when he gets into these deep songs... They're multi-layered poetry, and this one is really about the concept that we can decide to change what we're doing, that all of us in our lives are carried along by basically a river that we call life, like the Gulf Stream that's mentioned in this song. You get a ship, you put it in the Gulf Stream, and you're heading toward the United Kingdom eventually. you got to get out of it. To, to, to complete the joy, voyage, but you are in that stream and you are going. But in our life, unlike the, the, the streams and channels within the ocean or the different tributaries of a river, we have limitless channels that we can change into at will. The choice is ours. And I invite you, I've been doing this video um, series on keto eating. And I did one today. It's episode 7. I'll put a link in the show notes today. The second half of, about that is making changes. And episode 6 the day before is big on it as well. But today I talk about the psychological reasons that some people refuse to let go of destructive behaviors. And it really fits this song well with you can change that channel anytime you want. Almost as easy as, you know, 
cutting the sail in a bit and getting over into a different drifting current or as easy as picking that remote control up and changing that channel on TV. It's not that hard to do, but sometimes there's some real roadblocks in our mind to getting it done. Listen to this song and maybe give those two videos a listen. Again, I'll put links in the show notes today. You might want to follow along with that entire series. We're getting to some really interesting stuff with that. And you can follow my journey as I make my fat ass into a skinny ass, so that's good too. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Please.